Welcome back, Hippionians. Today we're going to do some poetry reading. Um, it will be coming from poetryoutloud.org and random poems. But as I was going through today and looking at some poems, I saw a, a featured poet by the name of Emily Pauline Johnson. And I'd like to just um, share a little bit of information about her and then we will look into a few of her poems that she had or that is posted on Poetry Out Loud. So born and raised on Six Nations Reserve near Brantford, Ontario, poet and performer Emily Pauline Johnson was the daughter of a Mohawk chief and his English wife. She was educated mainly at home, studying both English literature literature and Mohawk oral history and legend. Johnson developed a dual persona for her performances, wearing the costume of a native princess for the first half in an English drawing room gown for the second. She toured widely for 17 years, gaining international recognition with primarily non-native audiences. Johnson's poetry often uses the tone and structure of English poetry to convey native legends and beliefs with a dramatic intensity well matched to the stage. Poor health caused Johnson to retire from touring and she settled in Vancouver in 1909. She died of breast cancer in 1913 and her ashes were buried in Vancouver Stanley Park. So the first poem that we're going to read by Emily Pauline Johnson is entitled Marshlands. A thin wet sky that yellows at the rim and meets with sun lost lip the marshes brim. The pools lowly lying dank with moss and mold glint through their mildews like large cups of gold. Among the wild rice is the still lagoon. In monotone, the lizard shrills his tune. The wild goose, humming, seeking, seeks a sheltering where rushes grow and oozing lynches cling. Late cranes with heavy wing and lazy flight sell up the silence with the nearing night and like a spirit swathed in some soft veil steals twilight and its shadows o'er the swell hushed lie the sedges and the vaporous creep thick gray and humid while the marshes sleep I, of course, love that. <laughs> um, and this, let's see if we can find another one by her. Sometimes they have them all lined up and sometimes they don't. So it looks like if, they, if there are other poems by this poet, um, it is not easily accessible at this time. So I will just pick a different poem, but um, do do encourage you guys to go on and 
see if you can find something more by her. And maybe if it's not on poetryoutloud.org, uh, you will definitely, I'm sure, be able to find her work uh, in the library or, you know, just by doing a Google search. Um, I'm sure other poems by her will populate when checking. And uh, I definitely plan on going back and looking at that a little bit more in depth. Okay, so I am trying to see another poem. Let's go with Cornelius Eddy, E-A-D-Y. Cornelius is a poet and co-founder of Cave Canim. Cornelius Eddy has published more than a half dozen volume of poetry. Um, music is central theme of Eddie's work along with family and the challenges unique to African-American experiences. Eddie's ability to examine several stories at once while pairing the lyrical intersections of these lives to moments remarkable in their clarity, exuberance, and vulnerability has garnered critical acclaim. In 1996, Eddie and poet Toy Decrupt founded Cave Kenim, a nonprofit organization that supports emergent African-American poets through a summer retreat, regional workshops, a first, pri- a first book prize, annual anthologies, and events and readings across the country. So, this poem that we're going to read today by Cornelius Eddy is entitled The Racist Bone. I know this is a real thing because when I was a kid, my big sister took me to the Capitol Theater in my hometown of Rochester, New York. And there was a movie that afternoon, The Tingler, which starred Vincent Price. And what I remember best about the film was that it was about this extra insect-like gland that we all appear to have been born with, but nobody but sci-fi movie scientists knew about it. If it wasn't fed properly, it would crawl up your leg and choke you to death with its claws. You only hope, your only hope was if you saw it coming and knew what it was, you could scream loud, which we did. When it crawled across the screen, then the lights blacked out and Vincent Price shouted, it has skittered off the screen, hungry, which it hadn't. The Capitol was the black movie house, 25 cents a seat, the last drop of profit squeezed from the theoretical run. No need to pull Mr. Castle hokey string and rubber model down the aisle for the, the like of us. In our heads, the tingler scurried, our darkest screams, the horror we know but won't talk about from the mouth of the corpse. Like a weevil looking for a home, so many characters perished. In that movie, they never believed they had it in them until those pinchers closed. I love that poem. I think um, while I was reading it, it did sound familiar and you guys may have heard me read that before uh, because it it just kind of came back. I'm like, I do remember reading that poem a while ago. Um, 
So it's funny, and I maybe it's because it's just the luck of the draw, which that's what I, I really think. <laughs> um, that I end up sometimes rereading certain poems that I've read before, or for some reason I'm just drawn back to them. Alright, so let's do um, Joanne Mikowski. We're going to read one by Joanne Mikowski. She's a teacher at a university level for many years. Joanna Mikowski has worked as a French translator, a journalist in the San Francisco Bay Area, and a juggler. She currently teaches at Cornell University in Ithaca, New York. Her poetry is marked by precise detail and attention to the sounds of language. The lines of her poems echo with slant and internal rhymes, sometimes eerie and often grounded in scientific facts. Her poetry scrutinizes insects, plants, animals, and the self. I'm really looking forward to reading this particular poem. (laughs) And it is entitled, The Larger. I don't know how it happened, but I fell and I was immense. One dislocated arm wedged between two buildings. I felt some ribs had broken. Perhaps a broken neck, too. I couldn't speak. My dress caught bunched about my thighs. And where my glasses shattered, there spread something like a seacoast, or maybe it was a port. Where my hair tangled with power lines, I felt a hot puddle of blood. I must have passed out. But when I woke A crew of about 50 was building a winding stairway beside my breast and buttressing a platform on my sternum. I heard as through cotton the noise of hammers, circular saws, laughter, and some radio droning songs about love. Out of the corner of one eye, I could open one eye a bit I saw my pocketbook its content scattered my lipstick toppled silo glinting out of reach and then waving a tiny flashlight a man entered my ear I felt his boots sloshing the blood trickling there he never came out so some went looking with flares, dogs, dynamite even. They burst my middle ear and found my skull, its cavern crammed with dark matter, like a cross between a fungus and a cloud. They never found his body, though, and they never found or tried to find an explanation. I think for me, they didn't seem to need one. Even now, my legs subdue that dangerous sea, the water bright enough to cut the skin where the lighthouse perched on the tip of my great toe. Each eight seconds rolls another flawless peril across the waves. It keeps most ships from wrecking against my feet. On clear days, people stand beside the light They watch the waves, blue heads, 
slip up and down and scan for landmarks on the facing shore. Wow. Oh my goodness. This was, um, this was threaded with, um, intensity. Uh, I believe the person she writes about maybe died from a suicide. Um, maybe I just believe the person is dead. Um, that a, they constructed a lighthouse over the place where the person passed. Um, and and she's or they are still there. They see, they watch all these people come and visit um, every day um, under the water, the tides, the murkiness of how she described a skull in the, the mushroom cloud or the, the wow, I don't know. Uh, definitely something to interpret for yourself. Um, I'm really glad I stumbled across that poem because that poem truly was a story, a very short story, but it was a story, um, and well-written. Um, so that's it for today, guys. These were, or this last one was a little bit longer, so I'm not going to hold you much longer. All I will say is take care, be blessed, and have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day.